You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. It's wonderful hearing those greetings, and welcome to those who are joining us at home still online. We're really glad that you've tuned in today. I mentioned that I'm thankful for a lot, but leading up to Easter, uh, actually, it's somewhat of an unavoidable crisis that I have. It's actually every week before Easter. And this is this emotional roller coaster that I find myself in. It almost feels like with Good Friday and, and the weekend and then Easter, it feels like going to a funeral and then going to a wedding like in the same weekend. Um, it's a time of lament. It's a time of celebration. There's mixed emotions, right? There's this rhythm that my heart is kind of drawn into the week leading up to Easter. And it's somewhat tumultuous. It, 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 there's, I feel this conflict um, but it's fair to say it's not only been a, maybe an emotionally charged week, but maybe emotionally charged year, not just for me, but for, for all of us. And in a year of being disconnected from one another physically, um, we have benefited from at least having a connection in our shared struggle together. Uh, the, the struggling that we have gone through as a culture, as a society, as a, as a city, as a people, as a family, um, everywhere in our workplaces, and there was this really fa- sad but really kind of that funny video that was, went viral this last year. It was one of those videos that make you laugh and cry at the same time. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it, because it's this woman that is reading her New Year's resolutions from last year from her journal. And she's crying because she's so, uh, so overwhelmed by the year and fatigued, but she's laughing because life is just so ridiculous. And, and she reads the first item on the list. Maybe you, maybe you saw this. Goal number one, make more money. And, and she laughs and she says, it turns out like I've been furloughed for the entire year and haven't had an in- income the entire year. Goal number two, travel more, right? You're like, well, we all know how that turned out. Uh, goal number three, lose weight. And she's like, I gained 15 pounds like the rest of us, right? Well, the rest of me. Uh, you all look pretty good. Uh, Goal number four, be more social in a year of where antisocial became popular. And goal number five, cry less. And she's like, I've cried every single day this year. Uh, goal number, now the, the goal number six isn't as funny, but she says, spend more time with grandma. And then she says, grandma died. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh no. Um, and she's just crying and kind of, she's just like, this is the year that it's been. Anybody else have a year like that, right? Your New Year's resolutions, your goals, and and you say, you just kind of throw your hands up, you don't know what to do. Easter is not one of those days where we pretend that our struggles are, are gone. And, and so Easter is not a sentimental holiday where we come in today and say, don't bring your troubles, don't bring your baggage, don't bring your sorrows or your grieving, and, and come and, and, and try to stir up this artificial joy. Easter is not that kind of holiday. Jesus is alive, and, and the fact that he has risen from the grave, it doesn't take away our suffering, but it does do something with our suffering. It, it confronts our suffering. It, it, it comes head-to-head with our suffering and means to tell us something about our grieving, that we can have confidence in the midst of it, that we can ho- have hope in the midst of suffering. And so I don't expect you to come this morning forgetting the pain and burdens that you are experiencing in your life that you've carried with you over the past year, past several years. I don't expect you to to pretend to put on a smile. But we come together as as human people 
celebrating a true event that has lasting impact in our life today and tomorrow and into the future, where God says to us and guarantees for us that no matter what suffering we're experiencing, it has an expiration date. But we don't have to pretend. We don't have to pretend. And that's a good thing. So the resurrection of Jesus is not a, a sentimental event. It, it's not something that just makes us warm and, and comfy, nor, nor is it a, a metaphor. Um, it was even yesterday. Good, my, the kids are in the classroom. Okay, so yesterday, my kid, they're like, Kate says it's Easter weekend. We have to be happy. And, so, and, and, and the other kid said, it's not what it means. <laughs> That's not what Easter means. I don't have to be happy. He's kind of right, you know? It's not this one day a year where we just be happy. Um, Easter, the resurrection of Jesus is primarily a true event. It's a true story, and this true event does not ignore our struggles, but confronts it head on. The resurrection crashes into our life and brings a future reality that God's people look forward to, and it brings it into the present and said, the thing that you've been looking forward to, the hope that you've been casting your eyes for, saying, when will this happen? God brings it into our present reality and says, that life is here, it's now, that rebirth, the new creation. And when we see how the resurrection collides with our lives today, it offers us two things that are so important for our lives. It offers us confidence for today, like the here and now, and hope for tomorrow. Confidence for today and hope for tomorrow. Two points, an Easter, Easter discount, not three. In fact, I would say that a, a year like this year makes Easter more, more of a profound reality of desiring confidence for today and hope for tomorrow. Easter, you know, that's, that struggle that we've experienced is like a backdrop for this, this beautiful celebration. It's like the dark night sky that makes the stars shine even brighter. And you see the glory of the sky, of the night sky, because it has this backdrop of darkness. And Easter has this beauty that shines forth and this joy of new birth and this joy of the promise of God to make all things new because of Good Friday, because we know that Jesus was dead and he is alive, because of the pain that we experience, it makes Easter even more sweet. For Christ was dead and now he's alive. And that statement alone is meant to invite us into the struggle, not to ignore it. That he was dead, that there was, he was really, truly dead and buried in the grave, but he's alive now. And then that struggle, as we look at it head on, we are then led into this life that God calls us to and makes for us. Jesus was dead, a true fact, humiliated, suffered. He was betrayed, misunderstood, crucified, buried, and now he's alive. An event of, of monumental importance, an event of astounding magnitude. And the Bible says the same is true for us. The first verse of Ephesians chapter 2 says this, For you were once dead as well. You were dead in trespasses and sins, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It is here we see this confidence for today. It's here we see the resurrection collide with our every day. It is the gracious new life that God gives to us that we would not have apart from the resurrection of Jesus. 
confidence for today. When you think of a confident person you, or the qualities of a person with confidence, you probably think of a person that has this posture that anything that he or she is faced with, they can handle. I mean, there's nothing that comes to that person where, that makes them kind of shaken in vulnerability or insecurity. That person's confident. They can withstand whatever comes their way. I would like to be that kind of person. I, I want God to be enough for me. I want the fact that he loves me, that he is gracious to me, that, that, he's, that he's given Christ to me to be everything that I need. I want to be unwavering in my faith no matter what happens. I think all of us want that. I think all of us want God to be enough. But the reality is our, our feelings come in and, and hijack our hearts and we believe that he's not enough, that we need to control our life, that we need to worry, that we need to be frenzied with care for the things of this world. And we cry out to God and say, I want you to be enough, but life is just so hard right now. Our circumstances blind our, our vision to be able to see that God's rescue for us in Jesus Christ is enough. That he died on the cross and he is alive today and that's all that matters. And we say, I want that to be enough, but he's just not enough. And so instead of being confident in the grace of God and being able to withstand everything that comes our way, we become anxious, we become worried, we become afraid, we become vindictive, we become controlling, we become angry and bitter, and just every day is just this fight and this battle with life and with our thoughts. You know, when the Bible talks about anxiety, uh, it's talking about it in the sense of this preoccupation with the cares of this world that cause you to take your eyes off of the provision of God for you. The resurrection of Jesus doesn't promise that we won't be anxious, that we won't be preoccupied with the cares of this world or be worried or struggle, but it does give us confidence that we can be the kind of people who rest in a God who cares for us today. And it's a hope that we just don't look forward to, but it's actually like a reality that we can experience today because when, when Jesus is risen from the grave, it says that we were risen with him, given new life that will never be taken away. We have a dog that's about a year and a half years old. And um, shortly after we got her, she was on the couch and she jumped off and hurt herself badly. Some of you were there and witnessed it. <laughs> it wasn't our fault. And she... I think she broke her leg. I think she broke her leg. The x-rays were, were not clear. But puppies like to be crazy. Puppies like to run around. Puppies like to jump off of things. Puppies like to play and, and, and have fun. And she wanted to do all of that, because she, but she couldn't because her leg was, was injured. And we would, we would call her. like We would just try to get her, 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 her excitement up. We tried to get her to, to not focus on the pain. And we, want, we tried to get her just to play with us. And so we'd put her on the couch, and we'd give her a treat, and, we'd, and she would wag her tail and try, but then she would kind of like, we were trying to see if she was faking her injury, basically, right? And, I, and then the vet was like, don't do that. They, they don't do that. They don't fake <laughs> their injury. Well, we want to see if maybe it's just emotional. <laughs> um, she wasn't faking. She would take a step and immediately regret it and then whimper and sit down, and it was just really hard. Now, imagine if her leg wasn't broken, but imagine she was dead. And we try, come on, come on, Penny, come on, you could do it. Come on, play with us. How much harder would it be for her to be dead to engage in that life that we wanted for her? Very hard, right? We'd all agree. 
very incapable. The Bible doesn't say that we have a, a hurt leg, that we're wounded. The Bible says that we were dead. God has this life for us. He desires for us. He, we've, we've fallen from, from, from the life that he has called us to. We've, uh, in our actual sins, we have rebelled against God, the result of which is, is spiritual death. And without the re- resurrection, we would remain in a state of spiritual deadness. We would remain in this state of, of, of God desiring a relationship with us, but us being incapable of enjoying all that he has for us, of living in a life of confidence, not vulnerability or insecurity. It doesn't stop us from trying, though, does it? Even dead in our sin doesn't, doesn't stop us from trying to have a confident life and to have a life that's free from insecurity and vulnerability. We just place our confidence in other things other than God. Consider this statement. We tend to think in this way. If I just had blank, then I would be more confident. If I just had blank, I'd be able to face the challenges of today. If I just had blank, I would be more happy and more stable and control of my life. You know, maybe we feel confident when people admire us. I know I do. Maybe we feel confident if prayers are answered or justice for wrongdoing against us is rendered, or we will be confident if we remain healthy, wealthy, and happy. And we secretly want to be that kind of person who can secure our own good life and can kind of grasp that good life for us as if we were someone who could raise ourselves from the dead, as if we were someone that can kind of stir up that confidence within us and be the person that God desires us to be. But the message of Christianity cannot be told without using the word but. Jesus was dead, but he was risen. We were once dead, but God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive together with him. The statement shows how profound of a change that God creates in our life for those who put their trust in Jesus. It's not a matter of turning over a new leaf and recognizing wrongs and trying to be better. It's not about working harder to have peace in your life. It's not even a matter of membership into a religious club and like a church. It is to be taken from one realm to the next. It is for the same power that rose Jesus from the grave to make our hearts new and to give us new life. Spiritual resurrection comes about when we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave in triumph over death. That's when that spiritual resurrection happens. Our scripture tells us that we will not only be resurrected bodily one day, but that we, you know, in the distant future, but we already have been given new life spiritually because Jesus rose from the dead. Our passage goes on to say in Ephesians 2, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. As Jesus rose from the grave, we rose with him. As he ascended into heaven, the Bible says that we actually ascended with him into heaven. What's happening here? This is strange, right? Because you're like, I'm not, I'm not in heaven with God right now. Here's what's happening. You may still feel yourself from a, you may look at yourself from a perspective of your present humanity and sin. You know, just kind of an imperfect, broken person, currently struggling, trying to do better in life. But God has... He has so secured your eternal security 
because of the work, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he brings all the glory of heaven, all the glory of the future heaven that he's promised for us who trust in him. And he has brought that into our present reality. And we can and are meant to see uh, this future that is to come. We are meant to see it as a present reality right now. In Christ, you have all the love of the Father despite your failures. In Christ, you have the full affection of God even as you continue to be an imperfect person. You have his acceptance and favor. You are the object of his full, beloved joy. Despite your times of faithlessness, you have his constant presence, even when it feels like he is so distant from you, you can't see him, you can't feel him, you don't know where he's gone, you feel like he's departed from you. He doesn't know how to be away from you. And how does this happen? How is this reality of this future glory brought into the presence? It is because of the resurrection of Christ. But here is how it is applied to us. Paul actually repeats it three times in the passages that we're reading. Verse 5, 7, and 8. By grace you have been saved, the riches of his grace, by grace you have been saved. If you want to know, if you want to know what it takes to become a Christian who follows Jesus today and is able to then enjoy all the blessings of God in your present reality and not have to wait for the future, I can't tell you all the Christian doctrines that you need to know and memorize, but I'm going to tell you the first three, and the order of this is really important. Grace, grace, grace. Are you with me? I'll give you a second to write those down. The Bible is clear in the most beautiful terms as to what the, what the resurrection of Jesus means to us. Without it, we have no confidence in the flesh. Without it, we have no confidence for today. Without it, we have every reason to be anxious, troubled, scared, fearful, worried, Without the resurrection of Christ, you and I have, have no hope but to just try our best. We have every reason to be constantly looking over the sh our shoulder, waiting to receive God's punishment for us, wondering, will it come today? Will it come tomorrow? Will it come the next day? And thinking everything that bad is happening is just for us and our pain, and we're just trying to outrun it. But the resurrection of Jesus changes all of that. So if you are someone burdened by the cares of this world, or if you're burdened by the memory of your sin, you're burdened by the things outside of you, or you're burdened by the things inside of you when you look into your heart and you just see things that you just don't like in there, there's two things I want you to receive. Two things for you today from this confidence. Confidence in God's forgiveness for sins and the peace in the midst of struggle, not because of what you have done, not because of your record, not because of your uh, change of your life from a sinner to a better person, but because of God's grace. Because Jesus was dead, but now he's alive. And we once were dead in our sins, but we're made alive together with Christ. As he rises, we rise. And if he stayed dead, then you and I would stay dead with no confidence in the, in the present reality. There's a second thing that he offers to us, not just confidence for today, but hope 
for tomorrow. Let's talk about the resurrection of Christ and how it gives hope for tomorrow. Talking with James this week on this passage, uh, he reminded me of a year ago and talking about the or kind of early pandemic days, right? Uh, EP, early pandemic. We, now, now we're counting time by pandemic, right? Um, no in-person services. You know, we were beginning at the lockdown, you know, maybe a few weeks after. And we thought to ourselves at the time, we can, I think we can do this as a church. Like, you know what? We can do this two or three weeks. Like, we can, we can handle it. Let's just do it. You know, 15 days to slow the spread. Are you with me, right? Two or three weeks came and went, and then we're like, if we have to, we'll give it a month or two. <laughs> um, then a month or two came and went, and everybody everywhere, everybody everywhere is guessing, when is this going to end? And, and where is the end of it? Where is the end of suffering? Is there an end? I mean, I've had to extend my spit zone so that, you know, because the, we're not at the end yet, right? And uh, <laughs> we're still asking the question, when? When will healing come? We're still asking the question, when will this end? The future hope that the COVID sufferings will end lies in medical and public health benchmarks, right? It, it, it relies kind of on these benchmarks that we're looking for. But our suffering is, is not like the suffering of the world. Our future hope doesn't lie in benchmarks, but it lies in the reality that Jesus is alive today and holds our future in his hands. And so we're not looking for good things to happen to us. We're not looking at benchmarks, uh, whether it's, it's, it's health or prosperity or happiness. We're not looking at things in our life and saying, okay, this gives me hope for the future. We're not looking at our 401k. We're, we're not looking at our friendships. We're not looking at our marriage and saying, okay, this gives me confidence that I will be okay. It lies in the reality that Jesus is alive. And because of that, our future is secure in him. Ephesians 2, finishing up this passage, says, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. If Jesus were still dead, our hope would be dead with him. But since he's alive, there's nothing that can take away the certainty of his good plans for us. Therefore, we must learn to not only grasp the blessing of his grace that gives us confidence for today, but to learn to live today with direct eyesight on eternity with God that will never be taken away. You know, this Easter is happening in the midst of this public health crisis but we would agree that there are a number of other critical crises happening in our lives. The pandemic is only one of them. I mean, not to be pessimistic, but we will beat COVID-19, but another virus is going to come. <laughs> oh, man. Happy Easter. <laughs> We're going to get beyond this, but there's another crisis, another virus, maybe even worse. Um, there will be cyclical economic recessions and depressions. There are nationwide protests of, for racial injustice and calls for constant political change and social change. Some struggles will be alleviated, but others will come. 
And Easter Sunday this year gives a time, comes at a time when there's a, a, a growing sense of fear and anxiety and worry about the future. And it's not likely to be dispelled anytime soon. And it definitely won't be eradicated by any human means. But, you see, the most important word, the resurrection offers hope to the Christian that the world cannot offer that humans cannot offer, that other institutions cannot offer. We, when we hope in humans to make things better, we will be disappointed ultimately. But when the object of our hope is the risen Jesus, then the hope means full assurance of the things to come. God is saying, I will do everything down to the very last detail that I've promised to do. And we say, how will we know for sure And he calls Jesus out of the grave. And then he says, I'm going to do the same thing for you. Suffering will have an end. His promises will come true. His plans will not be thwarted. If we believe in the resurrection of Jesus, then we believe certain things to be true. We believe that there is a God. And he is both good and powerful. We believe that God does not let evil triumph, but defeats darkness wherever it is found. We believe that we were once part of this darkness, but he has graciously revealed his truth to us. We have trusted in Jesus for our rescue, and we believe that Jesus died for our sins, forgives us of all of our sins, past, present, and future. And we believe that Jesus is patiently working out his good plans for each of us and in the world until he returns and sets everything the way it's supposed to be. The resurrection means that we can stop depending on ourselves that we can stop depending on others, that we can stop depending on a certain future that we envision or that we feel that we need in order to feel happy and joyful. No institution, no church, no spouse, no friend, no employer can redeem and restore or recreate what sin has destroyed, and that's why a Savior had to come. Jesus had to come. He had to be perfect. He had to die on the cross for our sins because we couldn't do it ourselves because we were dead, right? We couldn't come to him. We We couldn't walk towards him in joy, and then he had to raise from the dead. He had to become alive to secure his promises and our hope. How do we have this hope? Our dependency must be on God, our full dependency. God, you are my hope. You are my confidence. You are all that I need, and everything else that you give me that brings me joy is just a sign of your blessing. It is icing on the cake. It is is just a gift to enjoy and to behold and say thank you for. Our main certainty in life must be on the fact that Jesus is alive, and one day we too will be alive with him forever in his presence, in his glory, in his peace. And sin and death and sorrow are once and for all dispelled. So I invite you, I invite each of you into a life of confidence. And I don't mean arrogance, arrogance in yourself or self-sufficiency, but a confidence in God and what he's accomplished for us. 
You were once dead and you've been made alive and hope that the resurrection of Jesus Christ brings for the future. I invite you, if you are here today, not on confident ground, you don't know where you stand with God, you don't know about your hope for the future, you feel insecure, you feel disconnected from God, you feel disconnected from his plans. Maybe you have never cried out for help, for mercy. The best thing that we can do in times like that isn't to make promises to God, to tell him that we'll do better, that we'll try harder. The best thing we can do is look at Jesus on the cross where God poured out his love for us, to see him dying for our sins, and seeing the empty cross because he is not in the grave anymore. He's not on the cross. He is risen. And we just cry out for help. We say, I need you. I need your mercy. Forgive me of my sins.